and I'm going to bring you <laughs> right from the start our wonderful uh, host Teresa Retzlaff, her um, her host in training, maybe Jessica Schleif, training and wheels. I'm going to let them take over and introduce their guest. Have a wonderful day. Stay tuned uh, at. 10.06 is all kinds of folk. And if you have a favorite song you want to hear, bring it in and I'll play it. Thanks, folks. Thank you so much, Carol. You are so fabulous for stepping in and helping us out this morning. And welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I am your host, Teresa Retzloff, and my host in training, co-host in training? Co-host in training. Co-host in training, <laughs> Jessica Slice is with us. And with Happy us, New Year! Happy New Year to everyone. And I'm so excited. With us in the studio, bright and a little bit too early for all of us, <laughs> is our wonderful guest, Kayla Furman. Welcome, Kayla. Hello. Thank you for having me. So Kayla is a, a newer member of our community. And uh, I was introduced to her through Jessica, and she has an amazing background in uh, uh, urban green spaces and parks development and parks planning. And we really want to talk about that this morning because I feel like community spaces are so important. And uh, I'd love to hear like what some of your experiences are. How did you get interested in that kind of work? Definitely. Uh, growing up in New Jersey, I am not surrounded by many green spaces. <laughs> um, and so... I really wanted to explore more of that, um, something that's unfamiliar. And I uh, finished my undergrad at Syracuse University, mm -hmm. go Orange, <laughs> um, in geography. And that really gave me the opportunity to expand on communities uh, lacking those green spaces and build mm -hmm. up their capacity um, to enjoy them. And so I worked on a few projects um, developing plans for the city of Syracuse to uh, work on some of their community parks. So gathering intel from neighbors, figuring out what they loved about their community parks and building on that, uh, getting them excited about going into those spaces and maybe thinking about them differently. How so, I mean, like, in a sense, like, what, what drew them to those spaces or what, like, stopped them from going there? Definitely. So we started the simplest way, yeah. knocking on doors, getting to people's Actually houses. Actually talking to in people. In the neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a logical thing to do, but it's so often it seems like that doesn't happen. Like you have people sitting in a in a in a meeting room making decisions about a community without actually asking the community what they want. Definitely, so it's kind of radical that you're doing that. We also <laughs> sat in the park at different times of day, different days of the week, and observed, saw how people were using the space, whether they were playing a pickup game of soccer or mm -hmm. a family was having a birthday party. What were the different uses of the park and where they were in the park, and then what wasn't being used? What were those times of day and days of the week that no one was at the park and why? So it was a, asking a lot of hard questions um, and also listening uh, in between the lines. Mm -hmm. When someone gets really passionate about something, um, their tone changes, they can get more excited, but they also could be telling you something else about um, what's going on behind the scenes. For example, um, there was a mother who was very uh, excited about, uh, excited in the negative sense, um, making sure the park was closed at, at dusk because she was frustrated with people who would play pickup basketball. Um, and so we realized she had a newborn 
Mm-hmm. It's probably why she um, didn't want people playing basketball outside of her house, uh, because she has this newborn who would be woken up pretty early. So we learned more about the community members, what they were looking for, um, and uh, decided that maybe the best place for a pickup game of basketball was a park maybe two blocks down mm-hmm. that was gated and locked. And so the city could negotiate, okay, well, we'll leave that park open, considering the park closest to the neighborhood um, isn't really fitting the needs for the neighborhood at that time. That's such a, it seems like such an elegant solution to something like that. And I love the idea of like just sitting and looking at those green spaces and thinking about how they're being used. It Jessica, it really makes me think about your Tide Rock project here in Astoria and that that beautiful little unused, neglected space. That you couldn't see. You couldn't see because it was so <laughs> overgrown. And then over the course of a year, and for those of you who, who don't know about this, there was a, the, well, tell, tell us about the project. Well, and so, uh, the, the Title Rock project last year was a, a grant-funded project um, funded uh, through the Precipice Fund, uh, partnering myself, uh, actually physically adopting the park mm-hmm. in a collaborative arts uh, project that also worked with the Parks and Rec and the city. So I adopted the park mm-hmm. from the city for the year um, and then engaged in a renovation of the park mm-hmm. uh, with volunteers. I hosted Sunday salons at mm-hmm. the park and and yeah. got it cleaned and, and exposed um a place that was there, but not being able to be used. It was interesting, Kayla, hearing you talk about going into the parks and observing what was happening. Um, at the Tide Rock, uh, the actual physical park space wasn't being used much by humans because you couldn't mm-hmm. actually get into it. It was so covered with Himalayan blackberry and dogs definitely went down there. And there was some... Some life under the sidewalks, but yeah. as far as the park, um, and now, after a year of of clearing that space and hosting performances, both musical and art performances, installation art, dance, um, I can I I now look down there and and see people using that space. There's neighbors that come and set up a badminton. Net. Really? Yes. Oh, that's last so summer, cool. Last summer, there were kids <laughs> playing badminton in there. Oh. There were people painting down there. There were people playing music down there that wasn't things that I organized, just suddenly walking by. And, and oh, there was so a cello lovely. once, <laughs> which all these different things yeah. happening. I, I've recently seen, um, at kind of towards the end of the summer, people meditating down there. There was a small group of meditators down there, which just, I hadn't even... I hadn't even thought of that as something that could happen there did, in yeah. that little urban space. But uh. did you find that, Kayla, in like how people like want if you had a park and you and thought about like the, the construction of it or how to make it more welcoming or, you know, remove some of the like or enhance it somehow? Did that transform people's relationship to it? Definitely. Uh, one instance we saw that was uh, a lot of the 
refugee soccer players. Mm-hmm. Um, these were people coming to Syracuse in order to seek refuge um, from hard times in their own country. Mm-hmm. Some of them going to school, some of them working locally. Uh, they would come together, all of these people from different countries, and play soccer, something that's that common language um, uh-huh. between So cultures. even if they didn't speak the same languages? Yes, they would play oh, soccer. Wow. But what they noticed was that the soccer balls, these were, these were grown men, but they noticed that the soccer balls continued to go in the street. They're like, if we're having this problem, then young kids are also having this issue. And so it was quickly a decision to let's plant a shrub around that part of the field. And the soccer ball will hit the shrubs before it lands into the field. And so community members just got together and started planting. Oh, and simple solutions that you find those solutions from talking to people, from finding out how are they using that space. Uh And uh, they are the ones that have the ability to transform it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that community participation. And, and I think you make the spaces Mm -hmm. and they will come. You, you make the spaces accessible. Yeah. You make them beautiful. And, and even more people will come. I know. And you I can make see, them yeah. usable, too. I can see that with all of our communities here in this, like the kind of lower Columbia coastal region. All of these towns have green spaces, have park spaces, some of them more used than others. And it's always interesting to me when I drive past a park and just see nobody there. Or you see benches, but no one ever sits on them. And... It always makes me like, what is it that why nobody uses that space? Because, you know, I understand that nature, like being able to access nature is so important to us as human beings. And it's really good for us mentally, physically. And yet, how do you how do you look at a park and and try and figure out, like, how do we make this more accessible for people? Um, is And is it just I, I guess it's not just like official parks, but but green spaces in general in a community, like the places where people walk, you know, trees along the street, you know, paths along the river. I mean, there's so many spaces that um, we can look at and, and think about. Um, do you see that as you as you travel amongst the communities here in the in the kind of Oregon coast, lower Columbia region? Do you see spaces that you're like, oh, my God, we should really do that. That would be so cool of this. Definitely. There is so much potential here. Mm-hmm. The Astoria and this larger area have so many parks. It mm-hmm. amazes me. And um, one thing I noticed uh, the biggest difference between coming from the East Coast and then s- coming here and seeing development here is that the towns use the green space and use the the land uh, to their advantage when they built. Mm-hmm. More so than on the East Coast. It's kind of like, oh, we'll plow down this area and build up. Whereas here I feel like the hills kind of are being used as an advantage and the waterfront is being used as not only a space to exercise, but it's also Mm -hmm. being used as a space to interact with one another, Mm -hmm. um, access to to businesses, transportation using the trolley. So Mm -hmm. these spaces have a lot more uses for Mm -hmm. them and they're being incorporated in the city in a easier Mm -hmm. way, more accessible way. Um, I think about that yeah. in Seaside, too, with the prom mm-hmm. along the waterway there. Um, you know, my, my husband and I used to live down in, in Seaside area. Our first farm was down there. And, I mean, I didn't go down there that often because, <coughs> you know, I just I was busy and didn't go down to the prom very often. But when I did, it was so interesting to just walk along it and encounter other people. And I, I think about this in the Riverwalk here mm-hmm. in Astoria. And, I, and, you know, I think you see that in Gearhart along the beaches, like places where community members run into each other. 
a stroll, a promenade. Yeah, yeah. and there's something <laughs> about that. Those spaces where people come together. I think you see it in communities. I know I've seen this where um, where farmers markets begin, and then you have like this space where there's a market and people gather, and you run into one another, and have those little five minute conversations that are how we stay connected. As community members, and even if it's just like you're you're riding your bike past someone along the the river walk and you wave, there's a connection there. So Definitely. yeah, are there? I mean, I'm I'm always curious. I've, I feel like I've read about this or I've heard about this, but I mean, there are studies that talk about like the importance of parks to communities and like what they do and how they transform things. Do you have understanding of Definitely. any of that kind of stuff? There is so many case studies about. Um, not only uh, physical wellness, mm-hmm. how it impacts the community, um, how the seeing the green space, so not even interacting in it, but seeing trees and seeing plants um, benefits our mental health. I was thinking about that. I saw a study once about um, people that had, had illnesses or when, were in the hospital and that people that actually had nature outside their window that they could look at healed faster, had faster recovery times. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of hospitals that have done like planting gardens and things like that because of that, because of that, those studies that show that exposure to nature is really something that is, for whatever reason, I don't know if there's an understanding of what that is going on in our brains, but but there's an exposure I mean, to it. moss slows our heart rate. Moss slows our heart rate? Wait, what? <laughs> like ingesting it or being around it? <laughs> being lying around on it. it. Being around it. And, and actually moss slows the air around it. And then when we're around something like that, it can mm-hmm. our heart rate. Yeah. I feel so grateful to be where we are because there is so much exposure to nature. I mean, and, and there's, you know, formal parks in communities, but there's also a lot of, you know, state parks and national parks and, and places where you can go and explore a little bit more unstructured nature as well. So, I mean, we have that kind of spectrum from, you know, parks where there's a, a play set and swings and slides for kids, you know, or a, or a, you know, soccer field or things like that to, you know, paths through the woods, you know, or out onto the, you know, beach or things like that. So it's, we have, we're very blessed Definitely. in our area. I know it's something that I, for me, I notice when I go, you know, to the East coast to visit um, some of my family members out there and it's just so different how open spaces are. It feels much more built up there. Or places, times when I go visit much more urban areas, um, it, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I can't. And I realize it's like there's just too much concrete, and I need more trees. <laughs> Definitely. And there, there's a lot of towns and cities that are working to now incorporate nature into their design and their planning. What I find here is that it's already there, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's because you couldn't remove that tree because it was so large, (laughs) so you had to work around it, uh, or it's planting a rain garden because Mm -hmm. you understand that there's so much rain here, and what are you going to do with it if you turn everything into an impervious surface? So explain what a rain garden is. A rain garden is a catchment uh, for uh, runoff. Mm -hmm. So uh, Next to a building. Next to a building, next to a road. Uh, Tillamook just recently updated their downtown with Mm -hmm. uh, these beautiful catchments along the side of their road. Um, So it is all paved. There is no construction down there, in case you're traveling down that way. and so the the point is to um, not only catch that water to um, 
and inhibit flooding, mm -hmm. um, but also to purify that water as it runs off into a stream. Um, so filtering it first with plants and rocks mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. Definitely. So you're catching that water before it heads out into the rest of the watershed, uh, because it's really important to remember that our watersheds include our roads, whatever we're putting on our roads, whatever we're putting on our lawns, um, putting into our backyards, it's all connected. I just have to say, so just you talking about putting things on our roads, before we did this show, we were having a conversation. We were talking about how icy it is this morning. It's, you know, January 1st. It's cold out there. The, I mean, and there's been a lot of the roads have been de-iced, which on a certain level I'm grateful for because I live out Highway 202 and it's pretty curvy and I've slid off the road out there. So I'm glad. But we were wondering, like, what is in the de-icing? And Kayla, you were mentioning this on the East Coast, that there's a community that de-ices their roads with what? Beet juice. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That there is something in beets that acts as a de-icing agent. You would need a lot of beets. Well, you would. And I, you know, I'm not sure that there's any farm around here that could supply that much. And then you got to juice them. Yeah. So there's that. But I just loved that, that it was a, a community that was, um, like, deciding what to de-ice their roads with. And there was, like, fracking waste or beet juice. And they opted for beet juice. And I that gives me so much hope Definitely. that there are these solutions yeah. out there that, uh, that can provide um, – Wonderful organic solutions to it. Because you're right. I mean, what runs off our roads runs into ditches along the side and runs into our creeks and streams and affects wildlife and wetlands and all of those things, which affects us too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what would you like to see more of happening here? I mean, when you look around, what would you love to see going on here? I mean, how do you think we're doing? Do you, what do you want to see more of? <laughs> there is so many great green spaces. And when we think about public lands, I think our first reaction is thinking about those big national parks, mm -hmm. thinking about um, our preserved areas. So those wild spaces going through the forest or going along the ocean. But I, I also think about our small parks here. Mm -hmm. A story has so many great parks. Uh, whether they're actual parks or mm -hmm. just grassy knolls on the side, and we're not mm -hmm. really sure whose property it's on, but it's still that green um, area. Uh, I think that the city is doing a great job. I would love to see more uh, community events at parks, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. using those spaces as a gathering space, but uh, more structured. Mm -hmm. So saying, okay, Saturday at this time, we are all going to gather and participate do, in something do a thing do a thing uh <laughs> whether that's a park cleanup or um a arts centered event or mm -hmm. music or trading ideas having some sort of conversation mm -hmm. i used to take a class um in my undergrad about just cultures in general and all of our conversations all of our classes mm -hmm. took place at a park he would, our professor would send us an email of what park in the city we were going to be meeting at. And we would bring our notebooks and we would do all of the readings, all the videos, everything we had to do at home so that we could enjoy our conversations in a park. And we would sit around in the grass and, and talk for the duration of the class. And he was like, if you do all the work behind, we can then enjoy the space together. That's so cool. Wow. So 
That is such a the great college idea. College should use those spaces. I go know out and have a class. that would be so great. And you just need some good rain gear. Yes, <laughs> but there's lots of times of year when it's there are, it's beautiful. There I know. Are. We have so I many know. good days to take advantage of I those know. spaces. And in some ways, Kayla, hearing you talk. I feel like I possibly being a West Coast kid and I've done some traveling, mm-hmm. but not, I think sometimes I, I uh, take for granted what, what we have yeah. here yeah, and what, what a, a valuable, amazing asset this, that we have, especially within the city limits. Mm-hmm. How many amazing little green spaces we have. So, Jessica, I have a question for you in the sense that you uh, have participated in Parks and Rec Board here in Astoria, Mm -hmm. and you've adopted a park. Um, What advice would you give to people, you know, whatever their community, you know, we have a, a pretty big listening area, and all of these communities have spaces, have parks, have things like that. If you're a community member and there's a park near you and you would love to see it more utilized or you'd love to see some transformation happen, how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you have to approach the board? Are there process? Can you just adopt a park? Are there policies? I mean, what what, within, what steps? Within our city, um, th- there is a parks adoption process and groups or individuals can adopt a park on a short-term basis, on a longer-term basis. And I also think that, um, that there's oftentimes like that the Coast Guard or larger groups offer up their help and then the park staff will take that offer and kind of say, okay, Shively mm-hmm. Park, this day. So if you have a small group of people and you're interested in putting some time or energy mm-hmm. into one of these um, established or not so established spaces, you could contact the Parks yeah. and Rec. Um, so just contacting con- the Parks Department in yeah. your town. Yeah. And connecting with them and asking, like, how, what what are the policies or how do you approach it in exactly. your community? Exactly. Kayla and I were talking about this yesterday, the idea of volunteerism and, and ownership, feeling ownership for these spaces. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I wasn't on Parks Board, I'd say, just go ahead and pick up some trash. And honestly, <laughs> I can say that anyway. Pick up trash in yeah. a park. So, so Pull, pulls um, a couple of weeds. <laughs> late, uh, can you come to my house, please? Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, late flashing news, uh-huh. um, breaking news, as they say. Oh. Yeah, uh, and you may know about this. Uh, f- there's a fundraiser for Parks and Rec today. Today, today, registration is at 10 a.m. Okay, and the I think it's a run. It starts oh, at 11. Oh, a. oh, oh the, the it's the 5K run. The 5K run. Oh, oh, now they think I, about but it. I now. forgot that it was a well, fundraiser park. I'm so in my know. Well, I I'm go. just excited that I made it in here and I have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not running to anywhere. Our fabulous <laughs> listeners, Chuck. Um, they are listening to your show and said it's all about parks. I know. How about saying oh, this? So the the actual run is at 11 a.m. Registration starts at 10 a.m. 325-7027 if you want more information like where what, where is what it? What time does it start? Is it along the river? Oh my gosh, I'm on Park Sport and I don't know this. I am so, <laughs> so embarrassed, embarrassed for you. I'm so I'm embarrassed so for imba- you. We're all so, <laughs> we're so embarrassed for so you, Jessica. You, I still have glitter on my face. <laughs> I know. It's true. So if somebody out there is listening and you know where where spo- uh, folks are supposed to go to register and get started, give us another call. 
And this was a great start. I love our community. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for being tolerant to the fact that we are not quite awake yet. And um, happy new year. Enjoy your parks. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But I, I hope that people do this year. I mean, to me, I feel like one of the things that I love about our entire region is that there is such a great sense of volunteerism and community engagement and involvement in all of these small communities. I mean, we are like this, this network of small communities that kind of link each other through, you know, the coastal highways and the roads and the rivers and the creeks. And in each community, there are these places and these gathering spots, and some of them are really well used, and other ones are super neglected. And I feel like, God, just coming together and helping to take care of those spaces. And and, uh, and just engaging with them. Yeah. You know, the, it, it is also, you know, you ask, yeah. what can you do or how to, just you know, take a blanket. Take a blanket down there and have a nap in yeah. one. Read a book. Yeah. Bring have your a picnic. kids. Have your yeah. picnic. Yeah. And yeah. engage with the spaces. And then... I think that that volunteerism comes really naturally when you're engaging with the spaces, mm-hmm. when you're experiencing that nature, when you when you suddenly realize that little um, pit in the middle of the town, you can go down and yeah. look at an elderberry and see birds flitting around yeah. and salmon berries. And I know. Yeah. I think we all know that it's important to get outside be in nature, get some exercise, let your kids run around in some space if you have kids. Um or just yourself run around if you need to be on a swing. Uh, and sometimes it, it feels like, oh, yeah, but I don't have time to do that. Or, oh, it just mm-hmm. seems like such a but, – but trying to push through that sense of, like, I don't have time to do that. Or that's just so complicated. And just doing it. Definitely. I recently decided I wasn't going to use my car on my days off. And I would walk – we have all these great little trails in mm-hmm, town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something very new to me. It's very convenient <laughs> yeah. for someone who is a pedestrian. Yeah. So instead of taking my car and driving into town, I could walk through town using these small trails mm-hmm. connecting the neighborhoods. And I have a newfound appreciation for my neighborhood. Found a small little park um, underneath the bridge on Alameda that I never would have noticed before and um it took me 20 minutes to walk into town yeah yeah get my things i ran into some people i knew and then i walked back it wasn't anything that um was too strenuous Mm -hmm. i it would have taken me probably the same amount of time to find parking yep downtown uh especially during the holidays so and it was a nice day bundle up Mm -hmm. and Urban trails. I know. Well, just walking in general. I mean, I think even, you know, even if it's not walking to a park, but just walking through a neighborhood, looking, I love to walk and look at people's gardens. (laughs) Just be like, ooh, what are they growing there? Oh, look what they're doing. You know, it's so cool. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, you do, you run into people, um, you see things, you're at that, at that walking pace, you just notice more. And um, yeah, I just want to. And the plant people and looking at plant communities. (laughs) Jessica, breaking news. Where do we meet? Wait, hang on. Oh, someone was concerned about uh, uh, chemicals being sprayed in the parks, which, man, that's another thing to talk about. We are so almost out of time, but it is something that I think people are concerned about Definitely. in public spaces. Um, maybe that might be something that's stopping people from using those spaces, using the grass, using whatever is that they don't know what's being sprayed on and they don't want to roll around in it. They don't want their kids to roll around in it. So again, is that something that you can engage with your parks department about and ask questions about? Definitely. It is. And and they love feedback about these sorts of things. And they do have a um, 
herbicide policy. Um, and, and that's something that uh, is great for community members to engage with that yeah. and, and express their concerns yeah. or um, peruse the policy and see how yeah. it's being executed. We I, spoke about this yesterday, um, talking about education. Mm-hmm. So what exactly are we going to be spraying? How is it going to affect the water? Is it going to leach into the soil? How is it going to affect other plants? What is the long-term mm-hmm. uh, effects of whatever chemical? Will um, it be effective? Yeah. yeah will, what's, what's your result after yeah, yeah. using it? And so, are there alternatives? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, like having community members speak up, if this is a community space, like you live in a community, these are your public parks, and you have concerns about these things, I feel like get engaged and get involved and speak up. And if you don't like your park's policy about it, work as a community members to try and change it if you can. I mean, that to me is like the best like engagement. You know, that's how we do these things. You can't um, – I mean, you can be mad about it or be frustrated or say, I don't agree with how this happens. But to me, the way things do that you make change is to get yeah. involved and be engaged. You pull the weeds by hand. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and people can see that it can happen. <laughs> absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, part of the reason why I think um, chemicals and herbicides are used is because it's cost effective and it's, it's timely and it goes Possibly. faster. Sometimes. Well, I know. I mean, mm. it depends on how the cost is. But I think that's a justification for yeah. it. So if you get a bunch of volunteers together to adopt that park and make sure that there aren't any, you know, invasive weeds vectoring out from it, then that maybe that's a way of avoiding using chemicals and changing changing those practices. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of ways to make those things happen. And that's a really good question. Um, We're coming up on uh, rounding up our time here. Um, Kayla, thank you so much. I know. I'm so glad for this conversation. And I hope that we can continue to have this conversation throughout the year. I just really want to encourage people to get out there and, and find a park you've never been to and go hang out in it for a while. Or one that you love near your house that you don't hang out in very often and go use it. Give it some love. Yeah. Let's get all love outside. Our, get yeah. outside. And it's a beautiful day today. I know if you're if you're awake and listening to this, maybe you want to go <laughs> on a 5K run and benefit the parks department here in Astoria. Or maybe you just want to go for a walk and enjoy this beautiful place we live in. But... It is such a great place. And I'm so glad you're here, Kayla. I'm glad you're part of our community. This is like such great insight. And I feel like what you what you bring to the table here is some really thought provoking. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I have fallen in love with Astoria. So I'll be around for a while. I'm so glad to hear it. I know. And Carol, thank you so much for stepping in and saving us. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Engineering for us today. (laughs) Well, it's uh, Coast Community Radio, isn't Coast, it? We are a community. community we're helping each other radio. out. I know. We hope you have a happy, happy new year. Yeah. And we will see you in two weeks with more in season. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And actually, we have a song for Kayla uh, since she outed herself as being from New Jersey. And we are... You're talking to a New Yorker here, so it's, it's right. okay, Kayla. We're family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um, we're always delighted to have live shows here, and we um, keep it going through your generosity, folks. Thank you so much for Absolutely. being here. And thanks to um, Teresa and now Jessica. This is so fun to have double hosts. I, I just know. love it. I love talking to her about plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, take on different aspects. Mm-hmm.